Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from CPAs and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you real results, both in business and building the life you desire. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 75 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, brought to you by PJS and Co. CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and we appreciate you coming here for our final installment, part three of our three-part Selling Your Business series. And as promised, today we're bringing you some real-world examples. We laid the groundwork in episode 73, so go back and listen to that if you want some definitions and just kind of a, a basic overview of the selling process. And uh, then we brought you a expert in business valuations with Zach Sharkey in episode number 74. And today I am joined by Jamie Johnson, partner and co-founder here at PJS and CoCPAs. Good morning, Jamie. Morning. How are you, Megan? I'm doing well. A morning hustle. You know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> how about you? My kids are officially out of school. So we, uh, we had swim practice this morning. We took a couple days off and then this was their first day to like, nobody had alarms, which was kind of nice. And then I was like, I haven't made a whole lot of summer plans, but I think I'm going to regret that potentially. <laughs> I'm hopeful not everything. The spring was so busy that I'm hopeful summer is just kind of a little bit more chill and, and just, just down to earth and just let them be kids. Yep. No, I think that'll be nice. It's nice to slow down everyone now and then. I like having a boring weekend. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode because we want to talk about some real world applications today because we've gave, given a lot of examples as far as the definitions and what might happen, but we want to talk through what has actually happened in the past and give people some not just theory, you know, we want to see it in exercise. So, where the rubber hits the road, huh? Exactly. Yeah. So I know you wanted to highlight the importance of emotional fitness first in this episode, because I think throughout the examples that you're going to give, that's going to be a common thread. Oh, most definitely. I, I think the number one like underlying kind of motto when you get in this process, whether you're a buyer or you're a seller, that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Even if something pops up and somebody wants to buy your business and you wasn't expecting that and they throw a huge number on the table, you're still going to want to step back and process that and think things through from various levels. You know what I mean? From a valuation perspective to, you know, what the future looks like, what your involvement looks like. So there's lots of different components. So when I say this is definitely a marathon, not a sprint, and you, you really have to brace yourself for that. You know, something that we, I know that they have, I, I think Atina mentioned in 73 was being able to kind of ramp yourself up to that point too, because you don't just go in, you don't walk into a selling process and go, okay, I'm going to get X, Y, Z for my price. I'm going to do this. And I know that all of these things in this bright, we live in this utopia world, right? And right. those are great ideal things and you need to have your arms around them. But the reality 
is somebody will say, what's my business worth, right? However, what is it worth? It's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. And sometimes that doesn't equate to what the value is. And sometimes that doesn't equate to what's in your mind or what, you know, I, I've been involved with situations before where somebody, I think, just kind of licked their finger and put it in the wind and took a, <laughs> just just took a guess. And then people grab onto that and they go, oh, no, 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 I can't sell that because this person said this. One time I actually backed into their number and I was like, oh my gosh, they're taking, they're, they're modifying this number by all these components. That's not right. But they had just quickly assessed and not given a whole lot of room to do diligence. So from that emotional fitness perspective, you got to be ready for the highs and the lows of that situation. You got to be, you know what I mean? Ready of like, this is signed, sealed and delivered. Oh my gosh, I can't believe somebody's going to give me X for my business to even the lows of, is this thing ever going to close? Am I, why aren't they communicating? Do they, are they looking at something else? You know, there's all those, it's like being in a relationship, right? <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like there's give and there's take, there's highs and there's lows. They're trying to interpret the other side and trying to understand where they're coming from, trying to get them to understand your side. So, you know, you kind of got to brace yourself for all of that because there are so many like I said, it's just, it's just good to have really good foundation to know what you're worth and also to know what you have to have, maybe your bottom line or, you know, any different components. If you're willing to work for three more years, if you're not willing to work for three more years, or there, there's so many variables in this process in which that, you know, every sale, every purchase is different. And that's what you have to understand and have to realize, right? So, you know, the, the example that I'm going to talk today, I mean, this, this took two and a half years from start to finish to get this completed. And that's not abnormal, especially on the magnitude of, of, of various sales, you know? So, I mean, we have current clients right now that are, where do I need to be? What do I need to be doing? You know, there are things that we're strategically advising people, putting in place, making sure that that's not a problem. Because in this real right. world example, there were problems when it was handed to us and we were put on that advisory team. It's kind of like that discovery process and litigation. It's like, oh man, oh man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you okay. Back you know, and, and... Right. And it's never that people were intentional with or unintentional with trying to do things the wrong way or the right way or anything. Sometimes things just are what they are. Lack of knowledge, lack of advisory, lack of you know, there's so many components, you know, that's why we believe in the importance of an advisory team and kind of pushing you in the right, you know, right way. I mean, a basketball team doesn't just go out and play a game, right? The coach helps them and guides them and shows them plays and why things don't work and what things they should watch out against, right? So we kind of play the coaches in this. You, you really are. You're really guiding and going because you can see longer term. You've been there. You understand and, and things that they need to think about that. Like, I love when a client looks at us and go, I love that your mind's going there. I love that you're already there and you're looking at this for the future mm -hmm. and everything. So, which is what we're doing. Everything we touch, everything we look at, it's for improvement in the future, whether it's an improvement in value, improvement in process, improvement, whatever it is. So through this all for, for the emotional fitness, and if you have partners in the business, everybody's going to have to get fit together because what somebody might think they should take versus what somebody else might not think they could take. You know what I mean? From a price perspective, 
everybody needs to be on the same page. Right. And, you know, you may have a buyer come back and go, okay, I'll give you X. And then there's five owners. So all five owners need to get on the phone and need to understand. So understanding where you're at, where you're starting at, what you're willing to do is going to save you a lot of time on the back end. It doesn't mean you don't deal with surprises as they come up because they will come up. I promise. I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe that person made this mistake. I had no idea Mm. that, you know, this was happening or whatever it is. You're going to have to deal with those surprises, but having that cohesiveness amongst your leadership team and your owners, not just your leadership team, your owners is really, really, really important. So I like to know what are the positives of that business? What are the holdbacks? And I like to minimize the, the, the cons of that business. You know what I mean? Maybe that's a slow pain in the aging or whatever. Um, so knowing, knowing your shortfalls to kind of, and how to mitigate those, mm-hmm. um, and playing on your strengths is really important. And that, that really played in this real world example. And, So in this real world example, you know, like I said, this went over, you know, two and a half years. So it was really long and it was draining. It was, there was a lot of, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Like I said, that relationship, (laughs) trying to gauge what it is and everything, but giving, given the solid team that we had, even from a legal perspective, this lawyer that we worked with was just phenomenal and was just so well-versed and there was less delays And because we could get on the phone and we could have conversations and we could have a plan and the owner trusted so much in that, that we were all looking from a lot of different aspects. And even the lawyer appreciated our position because there was a couple of us here, three of us working on this deal as well. And so we could throw ideas off of him and he'd say, I like that. Or no, we can't legally do that. (laughs) Not that we would do anything wrong, but you know, there's just so many certain different things. What do we have to disclose versus what do we don't have to disclose and such. So having those good resources really allowed us to keep, keep in sync. Keeping in sync was a big thing of that, right. And, and keeping that pushed forward and, and, and such. So, you know, and when you have negotiations, I mean, how things started out with the negotiations initially and where they ended up at the end were two very different things. And so, it was kind of the same overall price, but you kind of get down into, I believe you and Katina talked about, you know, the stock sale versus the asset sale evaluation, mm-hmm. which, you know what I mean? Knowing what is going to, how things are going to impact everybody, you know, individually from a tax perspective is a huge component of selling the business too. And having the ownership being in sync, um, because if you're not, that could have caused a lot of problems. And thankfully our ownership was in sync um, and everything. And so how we were pushing forward, we were all moving. We were that ski, right? That, that one step and then another step and another step. And so that was definitely created a solid foundation to be able to get the best price possible. Right. Right. Now that we've established the emotional fitness and the importance among every owner. If there's multiple owners involved, I think that's an important point too. And in addition to that, having those good resources and being willing to invest in people that you can rely on to get that good information. So now let's talk about this real world instance and how you came into the story. And the the purpose of this is to really highlight 
some errors that were made, how you can avoid them, what it actually looks like in a real world, real, why am I having such a hard time saying that? In a real world kind of sticky situation, right? Because the real world isn't perfect. We don't, we run into things that are messy in the real world. So there was obviously a period of discovery and you all, I mean, there was a team of you looking at the business, getting familiar with what had happened in the past, tax returns, all of these things that were basically a discovery period where you're getting up and running. But after all of that, can you walk us through some of the things that you found during that process and highlight how those may have been avoided? So one of the biggest things that we found was part of the professional financial team that they had previously Um, They had actually made an error from a tax perspective that we had to fully disclose um, on the other to the other to the buyer, which we prayed that our transparency (laughs) would be in good favor. You know what I mean? And being forthright and being honest with that, because we were considering a stock sale at that time. And so we had actually given them all of our calculations and and everything, kind of what the stock versus asset sale looked like and, and where we were at and all of that just to be forthright, just to be honest and to say, here's what we see, you know, and and everything and to kind of come, come together. They actually wanted to kind of have their own discovery with what we had turned over and answer questions. So they actually asked us to foot the bill partially to an external CPA firm on their side to, to review everything and basically validate what we had done. But that escalated even for the buyer. I know that the buyer said later on, like that got really expensive and I wasn't expecting that. And mm-hmm. so um, the idea was to basically kind of split that cost because that was an unexpected cost they had on their side, but we could have totally avoided it. And not only that, but just totally avoided the risk if you have the right people in place. And, you know, things happen, people, people are human, but that can happen with lawyers that can happen with. CPAs that can happen. It doesn't mean that everything is always perfect, but having multiple people involved also can raise a flag and go, Hey, I've got a question. And that Mm -hmm. could save you a lot of money later. And not only could it have saved that thousands of dollars that we had to take off our closing cost price to help pay for that based on somebody else's error that they trusted, you know, that they trusted to prepare their taxes and such. So that's, you know, that's the kind of items that you want to be careful of because you, you totally could have avoided that. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's the stuff that you can't avoid everything, but there's a lot you can't avoid. It's so important to have the right people. It's so right. important. And the checks and balances, like you mentioned. Yes. Yes. I mean, and that's kind of what we had to keep affirming with our client is, Hey, You know what I mean? This is why we're doing this. This is why we feel it's necessary so that they understood the why that we weren't just out there trying to spend everybody else's money and not caring and making money ourselves. That's not, that's not the point. That's not the, that's not the type of leadership team that you want. Right. Right. So, and usually the people that are most expensive and, and such most of the time, like they have years and years and years, so they can do something 10 times more efficiently than somebody else who's maybe new. So, right. you know, you got to weigh that too, because yeah, you could go get somebody for $100 an hour, but they may not know as much as the $950 an hour, but really that $100 an hour could kill you. 
in the end. So you do have to balance the two expertise and making sure that that, that team is really, really solid and that they're knowledgeable in what you're doing and everything. So, um, so this could have saved so much time because it really delayed the sale because there was all this extra discovery needed, all these extra calculations needed. So, um, you know, that, that is a big thing that, that could have been avoided. All right. So the next thing we want to tackle is business structure. So tell me a little bit about what had happened in this instance with one of the companies that you were working with. Sure. So one of the things I will say this, one of the things that we always do is we always look at what has happened and what's transpired and structuring. Obviously with this, you know, with this client, there was no changes to be made given the time frame that we were at, but we always step back and go, if they would have done this, this, and this, this is how that would have modified and changed. Because what that does is that that increases our knowledge for future clients, for future structuring conversations. And that educates so you're constantly educating yourself. Um, you know what I mean? So these aren't, these deals aren't necessarily always about what you know in this one only, you know what I mean? This is definitely an accumulation of knowledge and, and how to structure and everything. But in this situation, you know, if proper advisory had been taken place, we could have elected maybe split, you know, the assets up in a different company. We could have had them sold as two different companies. And then previous years from a taxation perspective, that would have affected that significantly. But it's not what it was at that time. So you kind of are dealt with what we had. So we kind of had to deal with what they had. And what we did is, you know, we just, we worked more of the tax legislation, the TCJA that was, that was changing at that time that took that, that corporate tax rate down the, from 30, you know, in the range of 30 to 39% down to 21, a flat 21. So what you're saying is because we came into this, this particular situation kind of late in the game and they were already in talks to sell the business. It was too late to make these changes. It was, yeah. But if you try to, if you approach it from a more proactive view, there's things that could have been done that would have ultimately saved. Most definitely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's why we, we kind of preach it early five years. I I think Atina probably said that five years Mm -hmm. is kind of a five years and before of when you're kind of wanting to sell is an appropriate time. And a lot of that has to do with different tax code with, you know, S corps and C corps and, you know, partnerships and everything, various different codes that, that take into effect. So that's why, you know, we always say plan and know, then, you know, you can act appropriately. Now with this, since we kind of were dealing with the hand we debt were dealt and everything, we looked at this from a couple of different, you know, angles. We obviously had our entire, like, tax scenario of, of what it was going to cost the business. And then also, you know, and from a state and from a federal perspective, and then, you know, obviously any of the owners and individuals that have ownership in that, that's also the level of, because a lot of times, no matter what entity you have, there's always flow through. And so there's additional taxes um, typically that are owed and everything. So you kind of have to look at it as a package and then break it down. Well, and I think it's interesting what you said too about the legislation, because that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about when they're selling a business. And, 
you know, obviously there's things that you can do proactively, but then like you said, there's things that you can do to structure it during the sale that will have large tax implications as well. And something else to, to keep in mind too, is that things change and legislation changes. And I think that's an important thing that we wanted to talk about too, as far as is your, your CPA, CFO, accountant, people on your financial team, are they keeping up on how that's changing and what the standards are? And are they asking you questions that are giving you insight into that and kind of leading you along those changes too? Because if you're not having those conversations, that might be a red flag too. Exactly. You know, and you know, business health is very much similar to physical health, right? You don't plan to retire at 65 and live another, you know, 15 to 20 years and everything is going to be great. And you have to take care of yourself all along to even get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. There's changes you can make when you're 40. I'm not 40 yet, but I need to make changes <laughs> to my physical health so that later on, yeah, that we're all, but I also want to equip the right medical professionals that are dealing with or helping me achieve those too. You know, um, I, you know, I, you look to medical professionals for, you know, to guide you in that. I mean, that's all we are. It's financial professionals to help guide your business health. And that business health needs to be really healthy when it comes, you know what I mean? Even the sale time and everything. And it's just, you know, it's really just being responsible and an accountable business owner, you know, along the way and having that growth and what you want. When we're talking structure, obviously, I mean, if you think about over the last 20 to 30 years, which, you know, is probably where a lot of businesses are potentially, you know, at at a sale point right now, how people were formed, how, I mean, when you're talking early nineties and through the nineties, like, I mean, there was like sole, you were a sole proprietor, you were a partnership or you were a C-Corp. Like those were like the three, those were the three. And so changing away from them is not something that people did, right? Um, Especially people that were C-Corps because that gave them like all of that legal liability Mm -hmm. um, and established, you know what I mean? That, that veil around that, that business and that protection. And then, you know, as we get into the 2000s and, and everything, we start to get into this, you know, limited liability company. And I mean, people still have trouble, you know what I mean? Understanding because now there's different ways in which that you can, you know, be a, an LLC, a single member LLC, and you can elect to be taxed as an S corp. It's confusing if you're not a CPA. Right. It is. And I, I mean, I had a client in the past that was a CPA that still screwed up their their business structure. So (laughs) I don't even know if that qualifies, but there's just so many options now in which that, you know, to, uh, of ways to be able to fit your business structure to meet your personal needs, but also have that, that corporate veil of protection. And I think that that's a really important piece of it all that you're protecting. You know, if, if Katina, Jamie and I were still a partnership, I mean, my house is up for grabs. If something Mm, happens, my cars are up for grabs. I mean, everything that I own, and it's just a lot of risk. And we now live in a very legal society, which is why I think a lot of these business structures have come about, right? 
But that's important because if if a CPA got their license in the 90s and that's when you formed your business and they're a great CPA and you've stuck with them because you've had this relationship, but they're not keeping up on all of this and they're not looking at the new structuring options. I don't know. Is that a correct mm-hmm. term? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you could be putting yourself in a bad position not because that CPA is a bad person, but because they're just not looking out at new things that are coming about or new legislation or, you know, you have to have somebody that's constantly learning and constantly keeping up on that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I was just a brand and my mom showed me this meme that like, it, it really applies in a lot of different areas of, of one's life. And even here, you know, it said um, there was about truth and lies, but but I really like the truth part. And it said, truth doesn't ever mind being challenged. And it doesn't mean that everything is always perfect and we make all the perfect decisions, you know. But if you're doing something honestly and you're doing something forthright, you're not going to mind. If somebody pushes back and goes, hey, I have a structuring question. If I don't know, I'm going to tell them I don't know, but I will find out. (laughs) Don't ever be afraid to challenge your professionals and go, hey, can you help me understand? I love when my clients want to know more because guess what? We get a whole lot further down the road if I educate them as to the why, okay? And versus going, you just need to trust me and I move on to the next thing because it causes more question later. Um, So don't be afraid to go, Hey, just, do you think this is something, you know what I mean? Is this something that's in your wheelhouse? Is this not in your wheelhouse? Don't be afraid to ask the question, you know, cause it could cost you thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars if you don't ask it. So ask it. Right. You know? Right. Okay. So I know you had an example of someone who had invested, they kept putting all the money in the business, right? Because they were thinking, this is how it's supposed to be. But that's not necessarily always the right answer. Yeah. I mean, there's having a good, strong equity position is really important. um, And I will say that. But there's this common misconception that, like, I'm not going to make a lot of money and I'm going to keep all the money in the business and everything. And that's going to sell for a really high price. Well, that's a good thing, but you got to balance the two. You can't go without your whole life in hopes that you get this really high price. And what happens if the market is not that high? (laughs) And then you've went this whole time without banking, you know what I mean? Everything in equity. So once again, having that professional team advise you talking about, you know, from distributions to payroll to, you know what I mean? How that impacts your evaluation, how that impacts, uh, you know, cash flow, lending, all of those components, right? So that is a thing. Once again, we go back to that advisory team. Like that's, I know it feels like a, we're beating a dead horse here, but it's just something that is so important and can just keep you out of the ditch so much right. <laughs> that you don't foresee it coming. So, and, and you know, people also think too that, Sale, all sales are created equal. Everything's going to be the same. Well, no, there's no one alike, you know? Yeah. Well, and in thinking from the buyer's perspective, I think, you know, you have to put yourself in the buyer's shoes. We mentioned in number 73 and 
if I'm buying a business and I see that the owner has not paid themselves very much for the past 20 years, isn't that going to be a red flag to the buyer? Potentially. And a lot of times, typically with valuations, you account for that. So if they're not paying themselves, you know, it, it, it's how you're buying that business too. So there's different ways, you know, you can invest in a business. I don't know. Do you want to be completely hands-on? Do you want to be hands-off? Like I want something to operate as though I can't, not as an investor operator, but just being able for that to be managed. And I don't have to manage that from day to day, you know? Right. Whereas if something's been slim margins for 20 years, they haven't paid themselves much and then they want, you know, a high price. It's like, no, you know what I mean? There's no, there's, there, there it's just not, it's not going to be there. They, they are going to see that as red flags and everything. Right. So, you know, and it's that emotional piece. I mean, I was in a deal one time where we were on the buyer side and everything and you know, you get this emotional attachment to the business of, that I have worked so hard and you need to pay me for all my hard work. And that's not what a buyer is there to do. Mm. A buyer is there to pay what the business is worth and the opportunity and the potential that they see that they can do, right? Not, they look at what you've done, right? But they're not going to pay you for missing your games, missing your kids' games every right. Saturday for 26 years. And it sounds so cold to say that, but it's just important to be realistic and understanding. And once again, it comes back to that advisory team. You know, when I sat there, I looked at those sellers and I thought, you have no grasp of what actual reality is right now, you know, and they had had multiple buyers walk away, you know, and they just weren't getting it. And because they were so emotionally invested in that business. And I think it's, you have to be able to go, I just don't, this isn't going to work for us. And as we're talking through this, it's highlighting to me, you know, if we're talking to anybody, if anyone's listening and they're still, you know, you've got 10 years, 20 years, you're just starting out. It's highlighting the importance of balancing out that lifestyle component that we always try to incorporate into the growth plan so that you aren't sacrificing so much because like you said, like missing out on 25 years of your kids' games every weekend, is there a dollar amount that you would get that would give you that back? I mean, it depends. I, I get working and putting a lot into your business and there is some sacrifice as a business owner, obviously, but you have to determine what are you willing to sacrifice and what do you need to maybe change now if you have 10 years left and you are sacrificing that and you're getting resentful or you're banking on, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to retire because of all these weekends that I'm giving up and this time that I'm taking away from my family. Is that actually increasing the value of your business in the way that you think? Maybe it's time to get a valuation and figure out how that's actually impacting it rather than just assuming so I think that, you know, maybe we could, it's a wake up call for some people that aren't necessarily selling their business in the next two years into ways to change and be more proactive and more intentional about how to actually increase the value of your business rather than just dumping all this time that may not impact it at all. And not looking, and not looking up, you know, and I think it comes back to balance, right? Mm -hmm. And, and having that. And that's the thing is like one of the biggest questions we ask when we start off, what do you want? What is it that you're wanting? And for somebody to go, 
well, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. You know, it's, it, it's constantly kind of keeping yourself in check. You know, I've had a couple of intense weeks, even here at work for more for us than we're typically used to. And Katina said, Hey, Whoa, Hey, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm thankful for that checks and balances piece that somebody's willing to go, Hey, stop, not worth it. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not worth it. Um, and so, and, and sure there are, there are short-term spurts, but you don't kill yourself for five years in hopes, you know what I mean? Like kill yourself for two years and get a plan, right? <laughs> kill yourself at all. But you know what I mean? Like putting, make sure that what you're putting into whatever you are investing in that it's, you know, that it's worth it to you. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, well, I don't want to hire somebody because then I don't want to manage, you know, right now, if you do the job, you're making $20 an hour, whereas you can pay them $15 an hour. And then you can go do something else where you're making a hundred dollars an hour. Well, obviously that's going to pay for it. You know, that's where you want that right advisory team in place. And that somebody's willing to go, Hey, question, wait a minute, let's work smarter, not harder right? and everything. And right. so, which sometimes is a process of going through everything. It's just important. It's so, I can't, it's invaluable when you look back and you reflect and you're an entrepreneur because you give so much. Right. So if you don't have balance and you expect to sell your business and have balance in your life, you're going to like probably freak out because (laughs) you don't know what to do. So having that early on and going, okay, I'm going to take a breath and this is what I want to do. You just have to have that balance and that go with it. Um, yep. you know, cause I think with them, emo- I think emotional, you know, wherewithal has to be there for any entrepreneur because it is right. It's our passion balanced. I mean, you can go back to how many podcast episodes when we talked about that, like just balancing that. Yeah. Because you are going to give up time. I mean, that's the reality. No matter how much you strive for balance and lifestyle and all these things, being a business owner, you are going to have to sacrifice. And we know that. And it depends on what your, where your priorities lie. And it's different for everybody, which is fine. But it's just being intentional and being okay with that decision personally, and being at peace with that. um, So that you're not at the end of the road, angry or, you know, not understanding why you're not getting this time back. And we, I know we wanted to touch on one more thing, just kind of wrapping up because we've run into all of these issues now, right? We've highlighted different things that can happen in real world situations that, you know, it may be fine if you have one of these, but what happens if you have two or three or four bumps in the road along the selling process? It's, it can be really costly when we talked initially in this, in the beginning of the episode about the foundation, right? So if you know that your financials are in a good solid form, okay, if you know that you've been advised, you know where you stand, you know, with the informal valuation, you know, kind of where the market's at, you know, how your, your partners feel, right? That's, that's a, that's an easy way to walk into a sale, so to speak. You know what I mean? Because you've already established and you've kind of created this foundation, right? And not only that, but it is going to decrease the time that it's going to take. When you know your business, somebody else isn't going to outsmart you on it. Right. So having that, 
having that foundation, but, but that doesn't come in a matter of six months of cleaning up financials and being ready to go. That does not come in that. So that is a preparation process. So knowing what to do at the appropriate time. And if you're at that point where you're like, yeah, financials don't really matter. Well, then your buyer isn't going to have any confidence. You have to give your buyer confidence in what you're about to hand them, right? Or if you are a buyer, you want to see something confident. You don't want to see something sloppy that you can't trace and nobody really knows. And then it's like, what am I really buying here? So there's all those moments that can completely decrease that price if you're not prepared. Doesn't mean you have to know every answer, but you have to have a team to be able to answer those questions. Right. Yeah, because it, again, putting yourself in the buyer's shoes, that starts to not look so good once you hit, you know, one, two, three, you know, your trust is slowly going to decline. And with that, like you said, comes the price. So we've said, we said it before and we'll say it again with more preparation. You're just putting yourself in such a better position. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for running through all of these examples. I think, you know, putting some actual meat around the subject as far as what can actually happen, because we can talk about all of these definitions and these terms and, you know, what a business valuation is and the different methods and all these things that we've covered. But until we understand what can actually happen and that those things could be avoided, you know, because there are some kind of scary and costly things that can happen if you're not in the right spot, but you don't have to be there and it's your choice. So do you have any thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think it's an exhilarating process, whether you're selling or you're buying it. It's, it's an exciting process right? Whether you're investing in something or whether you're selling your baby. But I cannot stress enough about the being prepared and also just making sure that you're emotionally prepared for it. Because the more, the more you are prepared, the better emotionally you will be because there's just, once again, this is a marathon, right? And being able to question, being able to answer, you know, just puts you in so much better of a position. You stand confidently in, in what you, you don't stand in a defensive position. You stand in an offensive position. And um, I think that's really important in this is to stand tall and to stand strong and to, you know, know when to hold your ground and know when to give. So hang in there, <laughs> get excited because it is fun. It is a, it's a really fun process and everything, but be prepared. I think that's the Boy Scout motto. Be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Well, thank you so much. Like we said, thanks for joining us. This is the last in our series. We hope this has been helpful for you. And if you're in a space where you want to talk to somebody about getting more proactive or maybe you're in the process of selling and want to get a second set of eyes, we do have that free discovery call. You can talk to a virtual CFO and get some get some real world <laughs> advice here. So uh, reach out pjscpas.com and we'll be happy to speak with you. As always, keep that momentum going and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.